Good morning. How are you? <clears throat> I was going to um, call. Last night I thought about calling uh, one of the elders and said, hey, guess what? You're, you're on tomorrow. <laughs> but um, I was talking to Chad, and he said, well, guess what? I'm not going to even be in the sanctuary, but I'm going to be doing the kids' church. I said, okay. I see. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to trust God. Is it okay to trust God? Yes. Okay. I'm going to trust God and, and that if you would not uh, really paying attention to the voice, uh, but what the voice says, I think we're going to be okay. Now, uh, you remember last week I taught on a, a message. It was a part two of the message. Uh, and we, we really talked about preparing uh, to walk in more of God's uh, preparations, what he has for us for his purposes. This week, what I wanted to do is introduce a, just a one topic type of message, which is what to do when it's not working. What to do when it is not working. Now, I don't know about you, but there are many, many times and it's happening to me even now, when you do everything that you know to do, but it's not working. Am I the only one that's like that? You know, God, he tells you in his word, he'll tell you about finances, he'll tell you about relationships, he'll tell you about everything. You quote the word of God, you'll say, well, God, you said if you give to the poor, you shall not lack. You said... Uh, that if I will give generously, I'll reap generously. Lord, you said your word that, um, that even the jailer, when he uh, gave his life to the Lord, all his family came to the Lord. You said that the centurion, all his family came to the Lord. Lord, you know, what's going on? And I don't know about you, but that's what, the way I pray sometimes. I ask God, what is going on? I need to know what is going on because something is seemed to be wrong. Because nothing seemed to be happening. So, uh, as I was teaching the message last week, and I talked about how that sometimes we don't walk in God's calling because uh, we're not prepared or uh, spiritually walk in God's calling. He said that, uh, thank you, brother. Word says you won't lose your reward. <laughs> well, I said that I want to teach not from necessarily Acts today, even though in Acts we could go to Stephen, and in chapter, you remember we stopped in chapter 6, and in chapter 6 uh, we know that in verse 8 it picks up and talks about Stephen. And it talks about in, verse, in, in chapter 7, Stephen, his sermon. Well, Stephen did everything right, everything uh, he didn't do anything wrong because he was, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of power. He was full of everything. And, but yet, we probably would say things didn't go too well with Stephen. Probably. And maybe from a heavenly standpoint, you know, standpoint, it wouldn't well. But I don't think there's anybody who wanted to be Stephen uh, because he tried to explain to people what was wrong with them. And actually, he told them, in, uh, I don't want you to turn into it because I'm not, that's not where I'm going to be teaching from. 
It says that you men who are stiff-necked and circumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just what your fathers did. Matter of fact, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now, he told them the truth. He really did. But they weren't interested in the truth. Uh, he, he, he was full of power, signs and wonder follow Stephen. He was, he, he, was, he was a man in the word, had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. But they stoned Stephen. And Stephen died. And so I said, well, God, you know, I see a, a lot of times in the scripture like that, uh, people who seem to be doing well, they seem to um, not make it sometimes. So why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? What do we do when things are not working? Now, let's look in James. That's where we are in today. We're in James. And you know that James is a, is, is a book that we said we were going to try to really get to know the word of God through James and then do it. Well, we talked about complaining last week. Uh, it's one of the things that happened to the church, early church. And we're going to talk from a standpoint of not about the complaining, but about what happens when you are correct. You've done everything. But things just don't work. They are not going the way they should go. What do we do? Let's look at it in chapter 5. And in verse 9, it says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. When we talked about that last week, I didn't even hit this verse, but... I know that I didn't know, and many probably others didn't know, that when you complain, you, me, everybody, we're, we're causing judgment to be on ourselves. And I said, God, I want to know what do we do when things are not working? Because we said last week that we do three things. Number one, if they had done what they were supposed to have done, the Grecian widows would have been okay. Everybody would have been okay, would have been in the complaining. They should have found out who to take the problem to. That's number one. Tell the problem. That's number two. Number three, just be a part of the solution. Work together. No problem. We said that once they decided to do that, it was no problem whatsoever. The problem was solved. Well, when I was studying this week to go on in, in Acts, the thought came to me, and I believe from the Holy Spirit, saying, what do you do, because many people are there, when things don't work? You've done that. You've, you've uh, given a problem to your mate. You've said what the solution can be. I want to be a part of the solution you've said, but it doesn't work. It might not work because they're not interested in the solution. Matter of fact, 
they might think that you're part of the problem. And so they could think that there is no problem. Have you seen people like that? I mean, you, know, it's, they, you said, here's a problem. You said, oh, that's not a problem. There's no problem. So you've done everything that, you, you, that, that in the book it said do. We talked about it last week. But now what do you do when things are not working that way? You know, teenagers, you told, you, you told your parents, you know, that, that this is just not the right bedtime for me. You know, you, you've explained that to them. You explain to them why that being a, a, a teenager, a child, you shouldn't have to be, you know, uh, subjected to child labor of cleaning your room. You, you explain that to them, but they don't seem to understand. You've done everything, but it's not working. What do you do, teenagers? What do you do? Well, I believe that the answer is for us here in James. Let's turn to chapter 4. And let's look at the situation here now. In chapter 4, we're not really uh, going to uh, talk about everything that, that, that happened uh, in, in, in James because we're not teaching on James. But here we have a situation that, um, well, let's look at chapter 5. Here's a situation that in the, in, in the church they had some people that were being um, discouraged, so he gives them an answer in verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Just as a farmer waits, just as a farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, about it until it gets the early and the late rains. Verse 8. Of chapter 5. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is near. I believe. That God wants us to know. As a church. As a body. That we should. Be patient. Because he's doing. Things in our lives. That. We don't know he's doing. We have, a, we have a head knowledge of it, but we don't really know what he's doing. We don't know the length of time it's going to take. We don't know all the time how he's going to do it. Sometimes we've heard about it, and so we laugh about it, and we'll say, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, ask for patience. I never want to pay for, pray for patience. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Don't ever pray for patience, because if you pray for patience, what's going to happen? He's going to give you trials. Well, everybody know that. But do you think God listens to your prayers on that? Do you think God's going to say, well, they've asked that I don't give them patience. They've asked for no trials. So therefore, they'll never have trials, and therefore, they'll never have patience. Do you think he listens to that prayer? He doesn't listen to that prayer. He doesn't listen to it. Really, we shouldn't pray that prayer, should we? So t- tomorrow, tonight, when you go home, you can pray for patience, can't you? Okay. You're still scared. So pray for patience. Eh? Well, patience is very important. And when we talk about patience, we're talking about steadfastness. We're talking about perseverance. We're talking about hanging in there. Well, see, God has said that the farmer 
Does he get all worried about anything? See, the farmer already knows that God has promised that as he's doing what he's supposed to do, that God's going to give the early rains, he's going to give the latter rains, and therefore he's going to have a good harvest. He knows that if he would do what he's supposed to do in planting in the right time, he's going to do that. God has promised that. God's promised he's going to open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that they won't have room enough to receive, and that's basically talking about the rain. They know that. Well, he has to have patience. He can't sow what you know one day and then get up the next day expect his harvest. He can't do that. He already knows it's going to take time. But see, we don't do that. We don't have that type of patience sometimes in that when we pray, when we uh, believe we're believing God for something, we will tend to expect him to answer on our time. And when he doesn't answer on our time, we tend to get impatient and we tend to do things on our own in order to help God out, that is. Or sometimes we just say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's not working. It's not working at all. Now, I say that what we have to do is change our frame of mind in order to receive the benefits of what God has for us. Because when it's not working, if I have the right frame of mind, it doesn't matter when the harvest comes. It's going to come. It's going to come on his timing. It's going to come on, you know, his uh, desire, not my desire. Because he knows and I don't. So when we look at an example down here in verse 10, it says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Well, it would have been fine if he would have said, as an example, brethren, of patience. But he didn't say that only. He said of suffering and patience. Now, I don't mind having, suffer, having, having patience, but I don't, I don't like suffering. But see, they go together. They go together because in order to have that perseverance like God wants us to have, he's going to have to put us through some things. Do you understand what I'm saying now? Let's look a little further. We can think of many prophets if we choose to say, Moses. Moses was a prophet, was he not? He was a prophet. Did Moses suffer anything? Did he have to go through anything? Did he have to be patient and wait for anything? Or did everything that Moses desired happen? He knew he was supposed to be the the deliverer. Is that correct? What did he do? He, he, He killed the Egyptian, didn't he? He thought he was doing pretty good. But that was not what God wanted. So God said, okay, now, Moses is not ready yet. So what I'm going to have to do is get Moses ready. How long did it take? Forty years. How many of you want to wait 40 years for an answer? That you know that God has already given you a prophetic word. He's already told you. 
This is going to happen. I'm going to bless you. You, you know, your children are going to be this way. He's already told you. But everything you see is opposite of that. Are you with me? It's happening now. It's happened to, to all of us. At least it should be. At some point in time, it should be something is not going your way. If everything is going your way, then I want you to start wondering, why is everything going my way? Because God doesn't let everything go your way because he can't work what he wants to work if everything goes your way. Matter of fact, we don't even know what we need, so therefore you don't want everything going your way. Let's go a little further. Did Moses have an easy after the, he was now 80 and he said, okay, now I'm the, the, the deliverer. I'm excited about this thing. Yeah. I get to lead all God's children out of Egypt. I'm going to be the hero. Did he, have, did he have any sufferings during that time? Did it, did it just come nice for him? No. No. He had a lot of trouble, didn't he? He had a lot of trouble getting them out of Egypt, number one, because Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And God could have made it easy for Moses, couldn't he? The first time he, he said something, uh, Pharaoh said, well, I can see right now, your snake done ate up our snake, man, I'm going to let you go. But see, God kept hardening Pharaoh's heart so that he wouldn't let him go. And so Moses had more problems. But even after they left Egypt, did they have problems? Or they said, oh, we left Egypt now. Praise God, we're going now. But see, God says, okay, I got to develop some oh, perseverance in Moses. He has to understand patience. So now they had the Red Sea. Is that correct? Now, he could have led them around the other way, but God had a plan. They didn't know war. If they wanted to go around the other way, they're going to have to, have to go into war. So Moses, he's going to have to suffer. So now he goes across the Red Sea, but now he's, he's, in home, he's home free. No more problems. Is that correct? Problems, problems, problems. Matter of fact, so many problems that Moses, after a while, he got mad, and he wants to disobey God because he's tired of these children of Israel who would not listen to him and act right. And that he messed up, didn't he? And couldn't go into the promised land. Now, that's just an example of what God's going to do with us. If, let's take Daniel. How about Daniel? Oh, Daniel, he's, everybody talk about Daniel in, in Sunday school, don't they? In, in, in vacation Bible school, oh, everybody know about Daniel in the lion's, lion's den. Is that, right? Is that correct? How many want to be Daniel? I don't see any hands raised. Nobody want to be Daniel. Daniel served God, didn't he? God showed himself strong on Daniel's behalf, didn't he? Oh, my goodness gracious. Wouldn't you like to just eat vegetables and, and you look better than everybody else? Sure. Yeah. You have more wisdom than anybody else without, you know, going through all the studies that they have to go through. But see, there's a price that comes with serving God. And so it said those who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecutions. So persecutions come in order for us to develop perseverance, patience. So here we have Daniel. The people get jealous of Daniel, and they say, well, you know, we've got to get rid of this man because he, he, uh, he has the king's favor. So we can't find anything wrong in his governmental affairs. 
So what we're going to do is make up something that we know we can find on him because, because I know he's going to serve as God. So therefore, we'll get a king to put some rule out here that nobody can, can uh, pray, petition any other God or man but you, the king. Well, the king did it. And they called Daniel, of course, and they put him in the lion's den against the king's desires, but they put him in the lion's den. Now, how many want to go in the lion's den? Nobody, okay? Now, let's think about it now. Just think now. God showed himself strong on Daniel's behalf, didn't he? God sent an angel, closed the lion's mouth, and nothing happened to Daniel all night. All night. It was just like they were sitting in the lion's den. The lion's sitting there looking at Daniel. Daniel looking at them. You know? Daniel go to sleep. They go to sleep. And that, that's a beautiful story, isn't it? He got out of the lion's den without any scratches, without anything, because he believed, he trusted in his God. We have to trust God in tough situations. Tough situations. Now, this is what the scripture says. It says in verse 11, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. And have you seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings? The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now, I know all of you want to be Job. Because Job was the richest man in all the East. Wasn't he? Richest man. All his kids had houses at a young age. Everybody loved Job. But did he have to suffer? He had to suffer too. Was it because he was um, sinful? No. He was blameless, upright, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he feared God, reverenced God. And he never went towards evil. He avoided evil. So God said that about Job. But Job had to suffer too. I say, when it says that the the patience of Job, now, I say that the end result tells me that Job, because God said now, he didn't sin with his mouth. He kept his, in other words, he kept his integrity. Now, we know that Job said some things, you know, that are unwise down there. uh, But he just, he was wondering, why is this happening? Now, I say that we have to be like Job in that when things are not going our way, when things are not going the way we think they should go, matter of fact, things are not even going the way the Scripture says they should go. It's okay because as time goes on, it's going to turn out okay. Uh, you remember in Habakkuk, if you have a vision, he said that, what are you supposed to do with this, this vision? Write it down on tablets. You want to make it plain, don't you? So that he who reads it, can, who, who runs, can read it. They, they, can, they can run, they can keep going. What's going to happen to this vision? It's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. 
Matter of fact, what God says it is continually coming to pass all the time. It's like a seed that we sow. It is continually growing underground, even though you don't see it growing. It's continually moving. We know that sooner or later, we're going to have the, the little sprout that's going to come up from that seed. Sooner or later, that vision, you're going to start seeing it come up because it's a spiritual thing. When God, these words are spirit and they are life and they are going to come to pass. What we must do is persevere while it's coming to pass and not get out of sorts with uh, what God has said for us to do. Now, let's apply Let's apply this to our right down the earth situations. Now, I believe that the most, the most important thing that God wants us to do is to love him. With all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. I believe that. I believe that we can do that by loving others. Because he says, if you love, if you love me, keep my commandments. So his commandment is to love others as he has loved us. Or love one another, love others as, our, as we love ourselves. I like the one, love others as he has loved us. If we do that, that's the most important thing to God. Loving others. I believe that's the number one attack the enemy has on the, let's talk about the church, because we know that he's going to do that in the world, but the church. He wants to destroy relationships. That's what he wants to destroy. And the most important relationship is a husband and wife. We need to be as, as, as teens learning how to follow the word of God so as we grow up and get into other relationships, and, and one of the most important relationships is the husband and wife, because that is, I mean, that's where he started. He, says, he told man, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone, so he gave him a helper suitable for him. I think this is an important relationship, and, and definitely anyone to destroy it, because there is power in agreement. There is no greater agreement than husband and wife. If they're saved. Okay. No, no, no more important agreement. Because you can wipe the enemy out. If you got two that are agreeing. You can wipe them out. You can keep them out. But what the enemy wants to do. Is say okay. That, 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 that's a relationship that's dangerous. Dangerous. So what I need to do. Is get rid of this husband and wife thing. And has he done a good job trying. He's done a good job trying. If he can't get rid of it, let's make it where it doesn't matter. It's a marriage on paper. We have some of those. Do you know that? They're married. They're in the same house. But it's really not agreement. What we want to do is apply this message to that relationship. You see, we need to Understand that God is at work on each one of the people, the man and the woman. He's, he, he's working on that. He's working on each person separately. I want you to hear that again, separately. So therefore, realize that it's not going to work for you in everything that you do. The word is not going to work right away. 
you're going to have to have patience for, for it to work. I know some of you, when you got married, you were, you were surprised that they weren't like, like the person, they, they weren't like the person you married. Totally. I know some of you were surprised at that. That you found out some things that you didn't know. Didn't anybody find out things that you didn't know when you got married? I'm the only one. Okay. That's all right. You knew everything. Okay. See, I found out that some of the things that, that I did was opposed to some of the ways Minerva learned to do them. And it, and it caused me to get my cage rattled. I mean, I, mean, I, I just got, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. So therefore, I got, I'll get upset. Just with silly things. Are you with me? And I would try to change her. You're past that point, aren't you? Trying to change your mate. Good. And God had to work in me, so I would pray, God, change Minerva. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Do you think he ever answered it? No. He was interested in changing me. And so the best thing that God ever did for me next to the salvation of my soul was give me Minerva as a, as a, as a mate. Because she, she brought out the worst in me, I'm serious, that I didn't even know was in me. Now, what, what do I mean the worst? Meaning that I thought I was a nice guy. I really thought I, thought I was a nice guy. And she brought out that I was really selfish, you know, arrogant, prideful. She brought all this stuff out. The worst in me. Was it good? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so thankful to God for that because I had to now develop the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I have to start being uh, kind because when when you're single, you don't have to be kind because you don't have to have a pet. And so to be kind for, kind to, see if you have a pet, you got to be kind to the pet. You can't kick the cat. So... So as long as you don't have a pet, you can, you can go home and you can, I mean, you can, you can kick the walls, you can hit the walls, you can get a punching bag. You, you, you don't have to be kind when you're single. You know, just when you're around people, you have to be kind. Yeah? <laughs> you be kind. But see, when you're living with somebody, you don't have any space to be unkind. If you're unkind, they automatically know Something is wrong with you. You need to get before God and work this out. So God has been working kindness in me. Honestly, I was mean. Uh, you don't know that. Well, <laughs> you knew it if you, if you were, if I taught you in school, you knew it. And so only one I taught in here is Lord. There's only one. And Lord knows that I was mean. And so, but now I'm not mean. 
It's only because of this great woman that God gave me. Because she helped me to be now kind. Because I could not be mean and keep her. I couldn't. I had to work it, we had to work this thing out because I definitely wanted to keep my wife. So then the fruit of the Spirit is becoming the work in my life. Peace. See, we can't have, we get mad and don't speak for a week. We can't do that because that's not peace. It's not peace. So God worked peace in my life because of my wife. Do you understand why that we have to wait on God and persevere in these relationships because it's not going to happen all of a sudden? I have learned that if there's anything wrong with me, that's going to be worked out in the four walls of our house. Because I'm with my wife 24-7 when I'm at home. On the weekends, I have my daughter in the house. I had all three of them there sometime. And they could see when I'm not what I'm supposed to be. And therefore, I had to change. And I, I had to change my prayers to, from God changed Minerva to God changed me. Help me, Lord, to be kind. Help me to not get irritated and frustrated at simple things. Help me, Lord, to when I come home, having been talking all day, to come home and listen to my wife and just enjoy her talking to me. Enjoy just listening, not trying to answer anything, not trying to solve anything, just listening to her. Help me, Lord. That's how my, my prayers change. And that's when God starts changing me. But it's a process. I'm still not what I should be. It, do you understand that, that it, takes a, it takes time for the vision to come to pass? It takes time for the word to work. And suppose now, in our early years, we, have, we would have said, God is not working. This man you gave me, suppose you said that, this man you gave me is mean, he's harsh, he's irritable, he's more friendly to the students and the teachers than he, he's to me when he comes home. He comes home, he doesn't want to talk, he doesn't want to uh, spend time with me, he wants to watch TV, look at games. God, I've talked to him, he will not change, I'm through with this relationship. Suppose you said that. That would have been a catastrophe. Because there wouldn't be a Ivy Cam or Brandy. Those are children. Wouldn't be, because... I was, I was that way from the get-go, I'm going to tell you. I was mean from the get-go. Uh, I was selfish from the get-go. But I didn't know it until I had to be in the house with the same person, and I couldn't rule the person, you see. In my mother's house, it was no problem. I didn't find out these things because it was just obey your mother, and that's simple. And if I didn't, then there were consequences, and I didn't like the consequences. So when I got on my, my own, I didn't have any consequences. And now I didn't have to obey, so therefore all the stuff came out. I believe that we do that in our relationships. 
I believe sometimes we check out of a marriage without checking out of the house. I believe sometimes that we are not working on the fruit of the Spirit in our lives when God has put you in a relationship to change you, each of you. He's put you in a relationship to change you, and you won't be changed because you think something's wrong with the other person. I'm telling you. That's what I mean when I say God is not working. What do you do when things are not working? Change your perspective. Understand that it's not the other person. It's you, and God is going to change you from the inside out. I want you to understand that your mate is changing even though they are still the same mean person that they were when, you know, they they did that to you or said something to you or didn't do something they should have done. They are still that way, but they are changing. The seed is growing. It's, It's maturing. And sometimes we don't see it, and it's because you don't understand that that's the way the seed process works. I believe that we have too much, uh, let's say, confrontations in houses, in homes. I believe that we are not as compassionate as we need to be in our homes. I believe that we don't show enough mercy in our homes. I believe that we don't give enough grace in our homes. Now, all of those are character qualities of God. Is that correct? God is trying to help us to be more like him. He's going to do it through our relationships and persevering in those relationships. And if you want to jump out of those relationships, you're going to jump out of God's plan to change you, and you still are going to get changed. Still going to get changed. Because you're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So it's going to happen. So that means that the next relationship you jump in, it's going to be the same. It's not going to change. You can just realize sooner or later that, oh, if I would have done the right to start with, I could have saved myself some trouble. I believe on our jobs, it's the same way. That God wants to change you on your job. So he's going to give you situations. Because he wants to make you however he wants to make you. I don't know how, what he wants to do. But all I, I do know that he wants you to be like him. But I say I don't know where you're starting from. I don't know your background. I don't know your environment. I don't know the things that Satan did to you as a young person growing up that God has to undo. I don't know all that. But God has to undo it. God is going to change it. And so stay in the battle plan. Stay on the wheel. Allow God to change you. Don't think that it's not working. It is working. It's just working on the inside of you. I believe in the church it's the same way. That problems going to come up just like it did in the early church, just like we talked about last week. But the solution is there. The solution is, it's working. It's working, but you won't see it 
uh, until time goes by. God is working on each of us, isn't he? Each of us to be more like him. And so he has to cause problems to allow problems. Have to be. How are we going to grow if there are no problems? It's got to be problems. But the problems are to help us to be more like him. Because there are solutions to the problems. And if all of us would have the fruit of the spirit operating more in our lives, the problem would be solved easily. So God is after that. I have a picture here. Uh, can you see this picture? It's a, a shell. It's a, a little ball inside that shell. So do you know what it is? Oh, it's a pearl. Now, this pearl is being formed. It was being formed a long time before it became a pearl, wasn't it? It was being formed in a pretty not good environment, right, if you know how pearls are formed. A lot of stuff going on around this shell when this pearl is being formed. God is telling me, and I believe you, that he has a precious, a preciousness on the inside of us, each of us. And it's the Holy Spirit, of course. The greatest pearl. I mean, what what other pearl can anybody have? And what that pearl is doing is changing us from the inside out. I mean, it's changing us. It is changing us. I know my mind, my will, and my emotions are still being changed and was being changed. And I know that you are helping the process. I know that. Because I'm in a relationship with you. I know that Moses, with the children of Israel, they were helping Moses. We have to, uh, what, we, what we will say, give in, let go, and allow that process to work in us. In other words, I need to allow you to help me change. You need to allow me to help you change. We need to allow each other to help us change because we're in a relationship together. And the minute that one of us decides that we don't want to change, we're in trouble, aren't we? We're in trouble. We're in trouble with God because he's going to change us. He's going to change us. So we can, I can jump out of this relationship with you. You can jump out of it with us. But you're going to be changed. And I say that you don't want to jump out of any, any, any God-ordained relationships. You can be in a relationship if an ungodly person, you need to jump out of that. <laughs> you tell your children that. Uh, you, can't, you don't need to hang with this person. On your jobs, God wants you to stay in that relationship as long as you're being changed. You see? And he has not moved you to another job for some reason. Another. Because I believe that sometimes he gives us 
I mean, oh, terrible bosses. I mean, terrible bosses. But he's trying to work something in us. And also trying to work something in the boss, too. It's just a two-way street. In school, some of you in school, God will give you a teacher that, I mean, just, man, that teachers look like that. They, they have your number. It's like they, they just, you are the one that they're going to pick on. You're the one that they're going to mess with. And you believe that. But see, the teacher's there for you, to help you. Even though you think the teacher's doing that, the teacher really is trying to draw the best out of you. Sometimes it's that way. And sometimes you don't like the, the um, let's say, the personality of a teacher. But that's okay, because God is going to work with you in that. Uh, some of you probably think that my mentor who's Jared Daly, uh, you know, that I chose my mentor because we are so much alike. No, I chose my mentor because he was good at what he did. I did not know my mentor when I chose him. All I knew, all I knew his name, I've been with him twice, but I didn't know anything about him. But I chose him because I needed what he had. What he had, some of what he had, I needed it. I knew that. And so we started a God-ordained relationship. And I found out that his personality is different from mine. And he, he, he does things different than me. And at one time I struggled with, hmm, you know, the way he does things, I don't know whether I want to do this or not like this. And I've learned a long time ago that once you get in a relationship, you stay in it if it's a godly relationship. He didn't do anything that was sinful, nothing whatsoever. It's just that uh, his personality and the way he did things were different than what I ever uh, dreamed of uh, in, that, in that realm. I'm still in that relationship, and I'm so, so glad that I stayed in that relationship because I have learned so much and still learning so much. As a matter of fact, um, they wanted me to teach on that at, at one of the uh, GCI pastors' things because they know that the relationship that we have together is a relationship that they want other people to have. And it's only because I decided that God... I want everything you have for me out of this relationship. I'm going, to, I'm going to honor this man. I'm going to make sure that this man understands that I want what he has. He doesn't have to give me everything he has, but he does because he knows that I want it. He knows I've proven I want it. He knows that I honor him. I call him on every birthday. I call him on every anniversary. I call him on, I know his children's name. I know, the, I know problems that he, he has with his children. I'm praying whenever I pray five days a week for, for every child he has and uh, him, his wife. It's just, it's just the way we do the thing. He called me um, day before Thanksgiving, checking on me to see how, how things were. Hey, did you, at the conference, man, hey, Let's do this right here. I think, I think we need to go to school on this. Okay, yeah. We, we talked, well, I guess about a half an hour. 
on that. And, and, and the next day was Thanksgiving. I still emailed him. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, bro. You know. He knows that I'm like a son to him. He knows that. And so everything he has, he gives me. Everything he has. It's only because I know that God has ordained a relationship, and I'm going to draw from it, I'm going to draw from it, I'm going to draw from it, until I get everything that God wants me to have. And I don't think I'm going to have it in the length of time he's going to be still available to give it because he's 69. And he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to check out this, this um, pastor now after a while. I said, that's all right. You check out if you want to, then you're not going to check out this relationship. This is the way it is. So that's how we relate. I'm, I'm telling you that story to tell you that just because you're in a relationship that's different, and Minerva and I are totally different, I know that the two of you, Jackie and Tina, you're different. I know that Stella, you and Sam, I know you're different. <laughs> I know you're different. But it's a great, a great difference because the only way you can get better, Sam, is that, is that Stella helps you because you have weaknesses that Stella has a strength in it and vice versa. Vice versa. The only way she's going to get better is that is you help her. That's in every single marriage. Every single marriage. That's why you have to receive from your mate. You have to receive from your mate. You have to, you have to draw from your mate. Just like I draw from Jerry, just like I draw from Minerva, and she draws from me. You got to draw from you them. You have to want them to tell me, tell me some things that I can do to improve. These are things that Minerva and I have talked about around, around the table, and my daughter's also. Hey, if you can name one thing, just one thing that can help me change, that will help things be better for you with me, tell it. And that's what we've gone around the table. They said, well, look, I think you need to stop doing this right here. Because when you do this right here, it really irritates me. Okay, fine. Write the thing down. Write the thing down. That's a good thing. Most people don't want to hear their weaknesses. I'm telling you that you need to hear your weaknesses coming from somebody else that's, that loves you because they want you to get better. Because if you don't get better, they got to put up with their weaknesses continuously. So I asked them, please tell me the truth. Am I getting better at this? No. Oh, gosh, okay. All right. That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> not what I wanted to hear. But I, I think I'm getting a, a, a little bit more, less, a little bit less selfish than I used to. A little bit less selfish because she's helping me. Do you want to get better? I want you to stay in the relationships that God has for you. I mean, uh, how many of you are not yet married? Raise your hand for me. Okay. What are you going to do because you're not married yet? God has placed you in a relationship still, in relationships, that you need to draw from. If you have a, a, a good friend, ask them, hey, how, how can I uh, change to be better? If they love you, they'll tell you. Give them permission to tell you. If you have parents, of course, ask them. They will tell you. They will tell you what you can do to get better. Yeah. If you have a um, just a, a, a co-worker that you all relate pretty good, ask them, hey, what, do I do to, what, what, what can I do to change to get a little bit better? They will tell you. Ask them. 
Most of us are afraid to ask. And we ask, we, we really uh, don't want to, we don't believe it. Believe what they tell you, that you do uh, need to change and that you can change. So what do you do when it, when it doesn't work? Hang in there because you need to realize that it is working. You just don't see it. It's working. God is changing us. He's making us more like him every single day. Let's stand. What are you going to do when it's not working? Hang in there. Hang in there because it is working. You just have to change your perspective. It's working. It's working. It is working. Today, somewhere in Lynchburg, there are, are people, I guarantee you, that are at their end of a marital relationship. Yeah. And God may put you across their path to speak to them. See, they don't realize that God wants them to change. Don't realize it. People need you. They need you, each of you. Because each of you are in a place where the other of us are not there. And God wants to use you at that place. But I say work it out on your four walls of your home. Work it out so that you'll be improving in your relationships with your children, with your mate, with your um, parents or whoever you are with. Work it out. God is not... He's not excited about people who don't persevere. He, he's excited about faithfulness and perseverance and long-suffering and love and joy. He, he's excited about the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we thank you for you just letting us know, Lord, that we need to persevere in the relationships that you are developing from the greatest pearl, Pearls in us, Lord, of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. You're developing those things in us, Lord. We so much desire that we would be already there, but we know that it's a process. We're asking you, Lord, to keep us on the potter's wheel in our marriages, in our relationships, on our our jobs, with our parents. Keep us in those relationships, Lord, that we may be changed to be more like you. I want to change my perspective that I stop looking at things as it's not working to really knowing that it's working from the inside out. And it's going to change on the outside suddenly. Suddenly. It's going to change on the outside. I have to believe that about my mate. I have to believe that about my children. I have to believe that about me. Father, help us see things the way you see it. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
of anyone here that you say that, you know, I, I would like prayer today. And with the prayer team come up, I would like prayer today because uh, I don't look at things that way. I want to look at things that way, but I, I'm not looking at things that way. And I need prayer. Would you come up for prayer today? Because I believe that God wants to, I know that God wants to minister to you. Because this is a, these are great, great opportunities, I, I believe, that we have before we leave.